My name is Tony. I know there's lights coming. There you go. All right. Um, my name's Tony. I'm the lead pastor here at Gateway. If you're visiting, very happy to see you. Brandon invited you to fill out a card in front of you. If you're online, uh, which it looks like maybe a lot of people are on vacation and online, and that's great. That's why we have online church. Hi, glad you joined us. Uh, you can fill out forms and uh, raise your hand online, say hello to us there. Our host hopefully will be hostessness and um, get back to you. So we're in Proverbs, aren't we? I want to start with a story. Forrest Finn is a legend in Santa Fe, New Mexico. In the early 70s, after getting out of the Air Force, Finn arrived in Santa Fe with very little money in his pocket and nothing but a high school diploma. But he quickly earned the reputation as a treasure hunter. Some say that his exploits were controversial, but still, over a couple of decades, Finn amassed a collection of ancient artifacts unlike any other. It's said that even in that collection was the original peace pipe of Sitting Bull. Within 10 years of arriving in Santa Fe, Finn was running an art gallery that brought in a revenue of annual sales of nearly $6 million. Some of his clients, maybe you've heard of them, Steven Spielberg, Gerald Ford, In 1988, Forrest Finn was diagnosed with cancer. Facing this hopeless situation of cancer in the 80s, Finn stuffed in a 10 by 10 by 6 inch Romanesque chest some of the finest treasures that he had collected over the years. In the box, it said that he put a gold nugget the size of an egg, an ancient jade carving, emeralds, and even diamonds. It's estimated that the box was worth nearly $2 million in 1988. But something happened in Finn's life, and he beat cancer. He overcame cancer. He didn't know what to do, so he took the chest full of artifacts, and he sat it in his office and covered it up, and there it sat for nearly 20 years. In 2010, Finn, who is now in his 80s, decided to take the chest and hide it in the Rocky Mountains. He drove somewhere deep into the mountains, and it's told that it could be anywhere from like Montana to Colorado, anywhere in the Rocky Mountains. And he hid the chest for the public to find. Finn then revealed to the public in a memoir that he entitled The Thrill of the Chase that he had hidden this treasure and in the book he gave a 24-line poem that gave very ambiguous clues as to where you can find the treasure. Hmm. Well, it didn't take long for the real-life treasure hunters to come out like out of the woodwork. Here they came, treasure hunters looking for Finn's treasure. It was the inspiration to thousands. Type in today in Google Finn's treasure and you will get 425,000 results. From essays to photos to videos, annotated maps, guides, logs, 
fake news. People have said they found it, but yet we don't know for sure if they found it. We don't think they did. It's estimated that nearly 37 public and private Facebook groups with over 8,300 members follow Finn's treasure. Nearly 65,000 people have searched for Finn's treasure, and two people to date that we know of have given up their lives in the Rocky Mountains looking for Finn's treasure. Joey Mendoza, after graduating high school, spent eight weeks, 20 hours a day, searching with his dad and older brother. When they asked him about this incredible search, all Mendoza could say was, we were too excited to sleep. One treasure hunter said this, Estelle and I spoke at length with nearly a dozen treasure hunters some of whom had gone on more than 50 trips to find Finn's chest, and others who had foolproof theory, but they just didn't have the time to pursue it. They hailed from eight different states, three different continents. Included in that group of people was a hardcore conspiracy theorist, a terminally ill man who had been rejuvenated from the hunt. And a woman who was just absolutely convinced that there was no real treasure. The real treasure was the self-discovery of religion. Isn't it crazy what some people will do to go after what they consider a treasure? They'll quit jobs. They'll lose sleep. They'll risk their security. They'll spend lots of money and lots of time searching for what they think will make them happy. What they believe might change their lives. I want to ask you a question this morning. If you knew for sure there was a treasure to be found, would you rush to find it? If you knew for sure and had all, just figured it all out where the treasure could be found, would you give time and money security, would you risk it all to go and find that treasure? Would you go all out? Would you live a holding nothing back life to search for the treasure? I believe that we're all searching for something. We all wake up every day and look for something that will bring value to our lives. We believe It will bring peace. If I can just get this, it will bring peace. If I can just get that, it will bring joy or happiness. Maybe it's an education. If I can just get my degree, then I will be something. How about a relationship? If I can just get married or meet someone special, if I can just fall in love, then my life will be complete. Perhaps it's it's a career. Maybe it's power or respect, or financial freedom, whatever it is, I think we're all waking up every day going after something that we treasure. Today, the wise father of the Proverbs speaks to us about a search for a great treasure. It's not education. It's not even knowledge. It's not money. 
silver or gold, but he tells us it's wisdom. That wisdom, like silver or gold buried deep in the ground, needs to be mined out. It needs to be dug up. It needs to be worked out. We need to go and actively dig up this wisdom. Why? Because wisdom is the greatest treasure in life that you can have. He speaks about our willingness to engage in what is necessary to find this treasure. I'm in Proverbs chapter 2. You can turn there with me if you'd like. Proverbs chapter 2. I'll be in about four, five, six verses. But the first thing I want to say to you this morning as I read this proverb is that God's wisdom, this great treasure that is spoken about in Proverbs, it requires a hold-nothing-back search on our part. It's not something that's going to fall out of the sky. An experience will not make you wise. Uh, Coming to Christ and being born again is a wise decision, but that doesn't make you wise. Going through life with Christ and growing in Christ, that is not where wisdom comes. It doesn't drop out of the sky. Wisdom, he is saying, comes when we give everything we have to search for it, to dig it up, to mine it out like you would silver or gold. This search requires a willingness. This is verse 1. Read with me. My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. The first thing he tells us is that to be all out, to hold nothing back, to go after this treasure and find it will require of you a willingness. Are you hungry for God? Are you thirsty for His wisdom? Is your heart ready for the search? Is your heart willing to receive the grace that he is offering. Jesus tells us this story of a sower and he likens it to a man. The kingdom of God is like a man who grabs a bag of seed and he reaches in with his hand. And if you understood how they sowed back then, they didn't have uh, tractors that pulled and put nice little seeds in. No, they actually grabbed handfuls of seed and they would throw the seed. And Jesus says, it's, the kingdom of God is like, is like reaching in and grabbing a handful of seed and the seed is cast out. Out into the air. He says, some of the seed lands on the hard path where people walk. It's like going out onto the concrete pavement and just throwing seed onto the ground and hoping that it grows. He says, that is hard soil. He says, some of the soil is rocky. The seed, there's, there's a layer of thin dirt on top, but the seed will land and it'll kind of start to take root and begin to grow and it'll grow just a little bit but when the roots need to go deeper there's rock in the soil and it prevents the seed from going deeper and growing and it says it'll just waste away and then he says some soil the the seed will land and it'll take sprout and it'll grow up but there are thorns in the soil and he says some people are like the thorny soil. It's, it's not that they're hard. They get it. They receive, the, they receive the Word of God, but 
there's just too many other things in their life that are choking out what God wants to do. The, the, the plant can't grow to maturity and can't produce fruit because their life is consumed with cares and financial things and family things and this and that and entertainment and vacations and, and everything. We, we take all of that in. All of that is good, but if your life is consumed with all of the other cares of the world, the Word of God cannot grow in your life. Then he says, some people are like soft soil. They hear the word. It takes root. And it goes deep. And it produces fruit. I think what the proverb writer is saying is that we need to be like the soil that is soft. And and the water gets through and the sunlight can hit it. And there's nothing choking it out. But we need to allow the word of God. We have to have a willingness to receive the word of God. And allow it to go deep into our life. You cannot find the treasure of wisdom unless you're willing and ready to receive it. How's your heart today? Verse 2 and 3. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. The second thing that he tells us is is that the search for wisdom requires engagement. <laughs> engagement. The first thing he says is open your ears. He says that. He says open your ears, tune your ears to wisdom. Engaging the ears is about what you listen to but it's also about what you don't listen to. I think we have that up there. Engage, open, there you go. Open your ears. This week we were tuning the sound system. Uh, it needed to be cleaned up and the, the sound needed to be clear. It sounded good today, didn't it? It sounded pretty good today, didn't it? You could hear clear and it's a funny thing, this sound system. I sat back there Thursday night with Joe, and the praise team was pray, singing, and, and God bless Joe. I mean, to put up with these people up here, I don't know. You know, I mean, man, we spent 30 minutes because their ears were off, and, and we had tuned the sound system, and somebody would say, I need to hear more Gary. So we'd turn Gary up, and then, and, you know, in their ear, and then be like, they'd be like, that sounds terrible. And somebody else would say, I need to hear more of her, and I, need, and I don't need to turn them down. And, and we're listening to this, and here's the funny thing about your ears. And this is what a sound technician will learn. Sometimes things need to be turned up. But sometimes if you turn something up and don't turn something else down, it just gets muddy. It just becomes noise. Some of y'all got too much noise in your life. You're listening to all the wrong things and you're turning everything up and God's trying to speak to you and you can't hear Him because it's muddy. It's not that those things are bad, but sometimes we have to take things out to hear what we really need to hear. you got to turn something down. you got to tune your ears to the Word of God. 
If there's something in your life that's keeping you from the Word of God, turn it down. Turn it off. It's amazing. Joe starts getting smart. Actually, Joe's very smart. He just gets smart to them. Hey, I need Gary turned up in my ear. So what does Joe do? He leaves Gary about where he's at in that, in that earpiece, and then he goes over and he turns something else down. And inevitably, they'll go, that's perfect. I can hear him now. It's not because we turn something else up. It's because we turn something else down. Open your ears. Listen. Engage your ears. Means that you turn your ears up. You turn the Word of God up. You begin to listen to other believers in your life. You listen to sermons. You listen to music. You listen to Bible studies. You begin to turn these things up in your ear if you want to search for wisdom. The second thing he says is, concentrate your understanding. And what he really means here is, some of your Bibles say, incline your heart. The Hebrew word that he uses there for concentrate or incline, it literally, here's the word picture for you, it literally means to steer your hearts toward wisdom's call. It's this idea that you're going down a road and the ox or the animal that's pulling the cart wants to go straight and you, you know you've got to go right. He's saying you have to steer the animal in the direction that it needs to go. I hate the saying, just follow your heart. Stupidest thing you could ever do in your life. Just follow your heart. Dumb. Your heart will lead you astray. Follow God's voice. Follow God's Word. And here's the thing, it doesn't just happen. You have to in your will, steer that animal in the direction it must go. And the proverb writer saying, look, you got to grab the reins, young man, and you got to turn that thing. Turn your heart. It's a choice, as all matters of the heart are. You must engage your ears, and you also must turn your heart toward wisdom. And then the third thing he says in that those two verses is he says first you've got to be willing second you've got to engage your ears turn your heart but he also says you have to engage your mouth cry out he says ask someone (laughs) ask god then ask a brother or a sister in christ in proverbs 1 20 through 23 we find that wisdom is the one who clamors to be heard. But here in chapter 2, he says, no, those who seek after wisdom, the pupil must now clamor to gain wisdom. Sometimes wisdom is clearly seen. And sometimes we have to summon it. We can't just think that everything's going to turn out There's a choice to be made, a decision you have to make. And you don't know the wisest decision. That's when you begin to cry out and ask. The wise father knows. 
that there are times in life when a haphazard and a half-hearted search for the path to take will usually end up in destruction. Don't go down that path. We must cry out to God, ask for discernment, seek spiritual leaders, counsel with spiritual guides. And here's the best thing. Listen to them. I can't tell you how many times I've counseled with someone and said, you know, this is the wisest thing you should do. And they walk out that door and do the complete opposite. And it's only a couple years later, they're back in the seat wondering what happened to my life. Listen to those who seek your best interest in God's eyes. Counsel. So we enter into this search for this great treasure of wisdom. Maybe you're wondering, why do I need wisdom? Well, I mean, what is wisdom? Is it just knowledge? Is it education? We learned last week, wisdom is a skill that you learn. It's the ability to take the information and take the experience and the education and all that you've seen and understand of life. It's this skill to take these and make good choices with your life. We need wisdom. We need to be willing to search for it. We need to engage our eye, our ears, our hearts, and our mouths for it. But we also need to search with a high estimation. Look at verse 4. Search for them. These nuggets of wisdom. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasure. Earlier I started with this story of Finn's treasure. And I asked you a question. If you knew there was treasure to be found, how hard would you look for it? How committed would you be to find it? The search for wisdom requires that you have an understanding and a high estimation of just how valuable it is and how hard you're going to search for it. Here's the truth. We chase after things after what we value the most. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Whatever we value the most in this life is the thing we will spend most of our money, most of our time, most of our energy chasing after. Because it's of high value to us. The intensity, the urgency, the, per- the perseverance of the search will be equal to the believed value of the treasure. Like the gold rush of 1849, Or the search for Finn's treasure. Success is determined by my heart's all-out attitude. My holding-nothing-back search for God's wisdom. What is needed today is not more information. we got enough of that. Not more education. Not more understanding. What's needed today is more wisdom. Because it is the skill to live life well. To make good decisions with our finances, with our relationships, with our homes, with our material possessions. Instead of a gold rush, we need a wisdom rush. 
to happen in our homes, in our communities, in our churches, and in our schools. For people to go all out in the fear of the Lord, searching for God's heart on decisions that we have to make. And we have to ask ourselves, how is my search for wisdom? Am I all out? Am I holding nothing back? Like a treasure hunter searching for something of great value. Colossians 2.3 says this. Paul, the Apostle Paul, he says this interesting thing in Colossians. He says, in him, in him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In other words, those who hunger and thirst for life, those who hunger and thirst for a whole life, a life that is lived right, a life that is lived just, a life that is lived fair, a life filled with joy and contentment. Listen, it will require wisdom the skill to make the right choices. And that wisdom and that knowledge can be found as a great treasure in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the treasure that you seek. Jesus is the wisdom of God. The life that you desire will be found as you dig deep into the person of Jesus Christ. As you go deep with Him, like a young man struck with love for a young girl, who you, you know how it goes, right? He can't sleep. He can't spend a moment away. He wants to be with her. He loves her. He wants to get to know her. He wants to understand her. And we too must, with love in our heart for Jesus, dig deep into the heart and mind of who He is. It won't just happen. You have to search. Go after Him. God's a romantic. He likes to be chased. Proverbs 2, 5, and 6, the writer ends this way. Once you've done these things, then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord. And you will gain knowledge of God. Did you hear that? There's the wisdom. There's the prize. There's the treasure. To know God is to know Jesus. And to know Jesus is to know God. For the Lord is grants wisdom. When we search, our hearts are open. We engage in His means of grace. When we engage in the Scriptures and through prayer and through study and through church, God grants wisdom as we get to know Jesus more and more. Let me ask you, what is holding you back today? Is it willingness? Maybe your heart's grown hard Maybe rocky soil has taken over and it's full of weeds and thistles and stickers and you name it. The Word of God is hitting your life, but it's being choked out. Maybe it's never taking root. 
the seeds of grace just bounce off of you because you're hard-hearted. You don't want to hear this. You don't want to, you don't care. You're here because someone invited you, but when it comes to God, yeah, I can do without that. It's okay. I understand. I've been there. But let me tell you, a hard heart creates all kinds of problems in your life. And I don't have to tell you what those are. You know. Is it engagement? You have closed your ears. You've let your heart run after other things. You've stopped asking. Your Bible is gathering dust. Or maybe those notifications to read version keep going unnoticed. Or you swipe them over because it's time to read your Bible plan that you were so anxious to do and you just don't do it. You fill your life with so many things that you don't take the time to go treasure hunting. Your church attendance is spotty at best, 720 hours a month, and you can count on one hand that you've thought about God. Maybe it's just your estimation. You've not put a high enough value on wisdom. Everything in your life, how you spend your time, how you spend your money, what we value says there's just too many other things of higher value than Jesus. So Jesus was talking to his disciples in Matthew chapter 13. And I think his words wrap this up pretty well. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. Sound familiar? That a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. (laughs) I know, we don't understand. We put our money in bank. But in Jesus' day, they put it in a box and they buried it in the ground. They didn't have banks. And this guy finds this great treasure. And what Jesus, don't get caught up in the fact that, you know, well, he found this treasure. Maybe he should have turned it into the authorities, you know, or maybe he shouldn't have kept it. That's not the point of the story. The point of the story is, is that the kingdom of heaven is of such great high value that it's worth giving everything you have away so that you can have it. That's what it means. Next verse. Then he tells again, he says, The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for, great, for choice pearls. When he discovers a pearl of great value, he sells everything he owned. And he bought it. The point is that there is nothing of greater value than the kingdom of God. There's nothing of greater value in your life than to know Jesus Christ. To know the King of the kingdom. The wisdom to live a kingdom life can be found only in the person of Jesus Christ. And it's of such great value, Jesus says, and the proverb writer says, is that you're worth, it's worth abandoning everything so that you can be a part of that. What are you rushing to today? My prayer is that we be a church filled with wisdom. Wisdom. 
the ability to take the information and the experiences of myself and others and the scriptures and to look at everything and the counsel of others and to engage in that, to be open to that and to make good choices. Choices make and break us, don't they? I want to choose well. I need Jesus to help me do that. And it requires me to abandon all. To chase after Him. Because I'm just being honest, and it's in my life too, there's just way too many other things that want to take my time. And take my resources, and take my mind, and my heart, and And it's not long before I look around and the Word of God is being choked out. What are you rushing toward today? Would you stand with me as I pray for you? Our Father, this morning I know that You're speaking. I know that You're moving. I know, God, that this message is like seed being cast into a field. Some seed is hitting a hard heart, but that's no challenge for you. You can melt that heart this morning. I know, Lord, that there are some who have rocks just under the surface, sins, hurts, pains, wounds that just won't let the seed take root. They're excited for a moment about what they hear and they make a quick decision, an emotional decision, but the moment the challenge comes. Like Jesus said, without the roots, the plant is pulled up and cast aside. There are some here, Lord, that they're good people. They love you. They care about you. But they've allowed too much to control their life, to take their time and their talents and their resources And what you're wanting to do in them is being choked out. I wonder this morning with your heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask you to slip your hand up. You're making a decision today. This message spoke to me. And I want to follow after God with my whole heart. And I'm making a decision today. I'm going to do that. Would you slip your hand up for me? Amen. Keep lifting your hands. I'm going to chase after God with my whole heart. Father, as we pray this prayer, hear us. Would you everybody pray with me together? Father in heaven, repeat after me. You know me. You love me. You want a relationship with me. You know every decision I have made. You know every decision I need to make. You know every challenge I face. I confess to you now, I'm not searching with my whole heart. Forgive me for not listening, for not engaging, for not highly valuing you. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Holy Spirit. Produce in me wisdom to build a life that brings you glory. Amen. Let's give our God a hand this morning. Amen.
You may be seated. God is good to us. You can be seated. Amen.